Looking to sound like you know what's going on in the world? Social strategy, comedy, and other funny stuff? Well, join the club and settle in for the Jeff Dawaskin Show. It's not the podcast we deserve, but the podcast we all need with your host, Jeff Dawaskin. All right, Zellner, thank you so much for that amazing introduction. You get the show going every week. Ah, and this week is no exception. Welcome, everyone, to episode 29 of the Jeff Duoskin Show. This is Jeff Duoskin. People are listening to the podcast and they're sending me direct messages. They're like, oh my God, I've been saying your name wrong the whole time. And then they say it and I'm like, wait, no, that's not what it is. It's Dwoskin, Dwoskin, the Jeff Dwoskin show. (laughs) I get a little animated. I even say my own last name wrong. It's crazy. Dwoskin, Dwoskin show. I hear I heard it that time. Dwoskin show. There's no duh, just Dwoskin. All right, there we go. I welcome to episode 29. And episode 29 is going to be amazing. We have Hal Sparks. That's right. The Hal Sparks is with us this week. Great conversation coming up in just a little bit. First, want to recap from last week. We had an amazing discussion. Well, I talked, you listen, about Die Hard, whether it's a Christmas movie or not. But we moved that monologue to Twitter and made it a dialogue. That's right. I put up a Twitter poll at Jeff Duoskin Show. And hundreds upon hundreds of hundreds of people answered the poll. They came. They weighed in. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie or not? That's right. And here is the results that everyone's been waiting for. This is the de facto. When people Google, is Die Hard a Christmas movie, this episode will come up. And the fans have spoken. 74% of my fans said, absolutely, Die Hard is totally a Christmas movie. Though 20% said, not a Christmas movie. We have to respect their opinions. They have a different opinion than us. Maybe they were watching Die Hard 2 by accident, and they thought, oh, this is not a Christmas movie. But, okay, so for some reason, 6% thought it was a Hanukkah movie. Well, hey, you know what? I will give it to them. It could have been a Hanukkah movie. They sh- there may have been a menorah in the background of one of the Christmas party scenes. We don't know. We'd have to go back and investigate. Anyway, so that's the answer. The answer is 74% of the fans of the Jeff Dewaskin show have officially pronounced Die Hard a Christmas movie. No more discussion. Let's move on. And move on we shall to this week's sponsor. This week's sponsor is Bubble Wrap Jumpsuits. Do you want aliens to think you're cool? Well, then you need the latest in bubble wrap jumpsuits. That's right. Now clear head to toe. Now with elastic waistband and detachable hood. You can't even imagine how good you look traveling through space in your brand new bubble wrap jumpsuit. That's right. It doesn't matter that people don't believe you, that you can hear aliens talking to you. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're ready when the aliens come and take you aboard their ship. And now... You'll be the most ready in the block with your bubble wrap jumpsuit. Available at AmazonFlight.com. That's right. AmazonFlight.com. Get your bubble wrap jumpsuits now. No more being laughed at. No more being mocked. It's just you, your bubble wrap jumpsuit, and your new best friend aliens. All right. Well, definitely check out the sponsor. I've seen the bubble wrap jumpsuits, and they're pretty hot. They're pretty hot. You should get one. Everyone should get one. You never know when you're going to need to be traveling through space. All right. Support the sponsors. They're who keep the lights on. That's how we keep the Jeff DeWaskin show going week after week after week after week. All right. Check that out. Okay. So I want to tell you this really funny story that happened to my wife and I just the other day. Oh, my God. What is going Oh, hang on a second. Hello? 
Oh, hello. Is this Fox News? No, this is the Jeff Dwoskin Show. This is Jeff. Sean, Sean, is that you? Are you playing games, Shani Boo? No, <laughs> I am not Sean Hannity. That's for sure. Oh, okay. Well, you know, you'll do. Okay, I am so excited. You know, four more years, four more years. Let's hear the cheers. I don't think you won this election. If you just count, like, the legal votes, you know, I won, okay? Like, I'm the only one that got legal votes. Only dead people voted for that sleepy Joe. I talked to a few of them, and they, they confirmed it, you know? I asked them, I said, hey, dead people, are you dead? And they said, yes. And I said, are you sure? And they said, yes, again. It's fraud. It is so much fraud. I don't think your lawyers were able to find any proof at all. No proof. Oh, there's proof. And some, some are saying, some are saying that the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. And I just need to find the pudding. Giuliani's looking for the pudding. We thought it was running down his face. We were like, Julie, look, you can't wear masks and eat puddings. It's going to go on the side of your face. But then they said, they don't make black pudding. And I said, black pudding? That sounds like an exploitation film from the 70s. I would not watch it, okay? Even though I'm the least racist person. In the room, I still don't eat chocolate pudding. We have everyone looking for the pudding, and once I find that pudding, I'll eat that pudding. But I'm not going to eat the proof, okay? I would not make the same mistake twice. Hillary's emails, ate the proof. Got really excited, really good pudding. Oh, you hear that? That's my tum-tum. Now I'm getting hungry. Good thing I don't wear a mask because I'd get pudding on it. Tapioca. Ugh. Oh my God! Okay, I think why well, I, I think we lost him. He disconnected. But uh, okay, well that was interesting. You never know who's going to call the Jeff Duoskin show. That was exciting. <laughs> well, hey, hopefully he can find the proof and the pudding. It sounded delicious. Also, it sounds like I'm going to have to change my phone number again. People just keep calling the Jeff Duoskin show. What can you do when you're burning up the charts like us? <laughs> Speaking of charts, have you told your friends to listen to The Jeff Dwoskin Show? I know you're listening. I know you're loving it. Have you gone to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, subscribed? Have you subscribed? Have you liked? Have you shared an episode with a friend lately? We'll do it. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jeff Dwoskin Show. Also, go to our website, jeffisfunny.com. Sign up for the mailing list. I need you on the mailing list. I'm starting to send out awesome emails, and I want you to get one. Yeah, that's right. I want you to get one. You're sitting at home right now going, me? And I'm like, yeah, you. All right. Well, that's cool. All right. Sounds good. And now it's time for the social media tip. This week, it's an easy one. I'm telling you, you got to check out Fleets on Twitter. I'm loving it. What's Fleets on Twitter? It's basically Instagram stories. Wait, wasn't Instagram stories just basically Snapchat stories? Yes. Wait, wasn't Instagram stories just copied by Facebook stories? Yes. Wait, didn't LinkedIn just recently create a stories too? Yes. But now Twitter has one also, and it's called Fleets. Fleeting moments. It's a very clever name for something that existed for a very long time. But I'm loving it. I'm just throwing up my fleets, and I'm getting lots of extra views, actually, on it. It's pretty cool. I definitely suggest checking it out. You can fleet a tweet, and then you can click on that tweet, and it takes you to that tweet. Check it out. It's a great extra way to kind of push some messages, and then it just disappears in 24 hours. So if you're like, where'd that go? He's like, don't worry about it. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. Don't worry about it. It's all gone. It was a fleeting moment. Get it? Fleeting. Ha <laughs> ha. 
And that's the social media tip. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor to share my conversation with Hal Sparks. All right, everybody, got a special guest, Crazy Times, crazy guest. We got UFO cultist Zoltan with us today. How are you doing, sir? I'm fantastic, and I just want to say that I was right the whole time. Most of what you're seeing, most people believe this to be an infection. We know it to be an invasion. There is absolutely, I have proof. We've been intercepting interstellar transmissions for years. We know exactly what's going on. Uh, Alex Jones is an idiot. We have the documents. I'm just saying. Ow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great Hal Sparks. Hal, right. welcome. Thanks. My pleasure. Absolutely. This is, uh, you know, it, it. I have to say there's a strange effect, the sort of friendships and bridges that are being built through COVID, the kind of don't know what you got till it's gone, if I can quote Cinderella right out of the gate, aspect of People sort of reaffirming like, hey, yeah, I like that guy. Yeah, let's, uh, let's talk. Whereas, you know, in, in L.A. culture and in even in New York culture and quite frankly, Tennessee, you know, Nashville culture at this rate, there's a lot of, yeah, I'll get around to, yeah, let's get together. And now that we all know you can't, <laughs> there's a renewed kind of like, I should really mean that when I say it. It's good. We've we've been Twitter Twitter friends for a little bit. and yeah. I will say one of the highlights of my uh, comedy life is when you were here locally in 2015 at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, and I came to see the show, and the comics came out from the green room, and I think it, somehow my name had come up, and you, would, I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, Hell's like, yeah, I know Jeff Tawaskin <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like I just looked at him, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, but in my head, I'm like, this is the greatest moment ever. That's super weird. Yeah. Well, you know, we that that feeling never goes away. There's a version of Starstruck and then there's a like that's awesome, which is very different and I think a lot more modern than, you know, old-fashioned you're like, "Oh my lord, that's Cary Grant." Um there's a you know, I I had the same feeling when I was at a radio station, Paul Stanley was going to be on the radio after me and I thought it was a call-in interview. And as I was walking out of the studio, I was like, oh, I'll listen in the car. That's awesome. They go, no, no, he's coming in. He's coming into the, and I was like, oh, the, into the building. And they went, yeah. And I went, I'm, okay, I'm not going anywhere. And so I'm trying to like loiter by this shitty Keurig machine that they have near the studio. Like, maybe he'll walk by. And he comes down a totally different hallway than I was looking. I was expecting him to come from the right. And he came from the left. And I hear, hey, Hal, like that from Paul Stanley. Like That's from amazing. Paul, from Paul from Paul Stanley. You have to understand, Paul Stanley, like I met Paul Stanley when I was 10 years old, dressed as him at a Kiss concert that we had backstage passes to, long story, because of my mom and my dad, where they worked and and the like. I've been a Kiss fan since I was five. I bought my first Kiss album when I was at a flea market in Friendship, Indiana, with all my money. <laughs> and uh, and to have those moments or whatever. And and I mean, he couldn't have been more gracious and more awesome. He's an incredible human being. And a, and and one of my favorite quotes that was like inspired me my entire working life was in uh, Kiss. Ex I think it wasn't Kiss Exposed. It was like Kiss Undercover or whatever. It was like one of those compilation things they used to do when they'd want to repurpose music videos. Artists would put out their own like behind the scenes and then thread them through the narrative or whatever. And they did this video of Paul and he's on a, tour bus and he's got headphones on everybody else is milling around and the camera comes over and he's just like writing in a notepad and it's got headphones on and they go who you who, who you listening to paul and he goes 
I'm listening to my favorite singer songwriter and they go, who's that? And he goes, me. <laughs> and I was like, I, could, I don't think I could have loved you more, but I can. That is so funny. That is yeah. so funny. That's how it has to be. You got to be your best. You have to be your biggest fan. Otherwise, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing with your art? What do you, if you can't inspire yourself with your own work, what are you doing? No, I hear you. I, I, I have a hard time re-listening to things that I do. A lot of the times when I redo, when I do the podcast, like the first five minutes is kind of like, uh, I just, I do it, you know, I kind of prep it and I just do it. And I was interviewing someone and she started saying stuff to me and I'm thinking to myself, Cause I have no recollection. Like when I, it's kind of like when I step off stage after doing comedy, sure. if you asked me, which jokes did you do? I couldn't tell you, you know what I mean? Sure. It just, it Absolutely. sort of just happened. Right. And so yep. she starts saying these things and all of a sudden I'm like panicking. I'm like, do you think you're on a different show? <laughs> and like in the back of my head later, I went and I listened. I'm like, Oh, I did talk all about that. And I was like, she's like, you were on a cruise with your family. And I'm like, and I got so confused and I was just yeah, like, like, did I? Uh, yeah. Well, I can, you know, I have similar situations when you meet people and, and I've, I read an article years ago about fame and dealing with just interacting with human beings and that they did this study and that worldwide, the average person, you're, you know, from, you know, from Nairobi to Canada, the average person meets 9,000 people, shakes hands and exchanges names over the course of their entire life. So over the course of their regular life, they you know, meet, this is Sam. Oh, hey, Sam, nice to meet you. That, and only a few of those go past that point. But over the whole course of their life, 9,000, that's the max. The average local news anchor in the country, at, at like in Lexington, Kentucky, or Memphis, Tennessee, or Louisiana, meets 16,000 people a year that way. 16,000 people almost double what most people meet in their whole life. Then you ratchet that up to nationwide fame, meet and greets, signings, like all the stuff that comes from being on a television show and much less being on a, on two television shows or three television shows. There's a reason why after a while actors and, and musicians, you know, especially rock stars that do meet and greets these days, because even the big bands are, do, are, are not going to get rid of that money. They're not going to leave that money on the table. There's a reason you get dizzy late in life where you're like, where do I have to be? Where, where the, who the hell am I standing in front of? What? Where is this? Hello, Cleveland. You know, there's an it makes total <laughs> sense because your hard drive is friggin' full. It's funny. Well, it's funny you say that because I find myself endearing myself to people that can remember my name. And, and, and I got to be honest, I'm horrible at it. I'm really horrible mm-hmm. at it, especially yeah. as I get older. I just get, I get worse and worse. But I mean, there was a restaurant I used to go in. Second time we walked in, they, we'd walk in, they're like, Jeff, Robin, that's my wife. Yeah. And, they're like, and like, like, I'm like, we're coming here people. all the time. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I, you can't get that anywhere else. You know, it's like, I remember the first time I ordered something and they remembered my order from last time. <laughs> right. It makes you feel good. Yeah. Well, you know, I've tried over the years, several techniques to remember certain people's names. And the problem, the worst part is the same name over and over the number of, you know, John's Mike's Claire's Angela's Lisa's, you know, Nina's that I have known over the course of my life is up into the number of people that, again, a regular person meets in their whole life. And, you know, when you work with a, like on, I've noticed this shifted over, but season two of Queer as Folk, 
we put up a board that had all the crew's pictures and names under their faces because you're bum rush meeting 50 new people that you're going to be working with all year, but you're only going to see them, you know, marginally. And you're going to be totally focused you and the director, you and the scene, you're still in character. You've got to run from this scene to that scene. It might not be the in-house crew with the outside, you know, the road crew. So the sound person may always be the same, but they may not. And you feel like a complete asshole not saying, hi, Sam, hi, Claire, hi, you know, Gina, or whatever, when you go in, and you're like, literally just flustered with the volume of humans you're interacting with. Don't even get me started on like, background and extras, who all, you know, bless their hearts, think after the third show, you should know their names when they never introduce themselves to you, you wouldn't know their names. And they only know yours because it's on a marquee or something. And they wouldn't know it if they'd met you at a mall. You know, they are, you know, or a, in a movie theater. So that's, it's a strange world to be in. And I have a lot more sympathy for the curious behaviors of the famous uh, than I used to when I was a kid, you know, and I'm even more amazed at the people who do it well. Politicians who are like, hey, John, what's going on? Hey, Al, like when Al Gore met me the second time and he was like, hey, Al, how you doing? I was like, I knew I was on a television show. I was, you know, at that point I've been talk soup and queer spoke. I'd done every AIDS walk in the country twice. He'd been at three of them, but I was still like, uh, oh, yeah, right. Oh, shit. Right. Okay. Uh, hi. Hey, it's still uh, cool, though. It's still cool. It's totally cool. It's absolutely cool. And that's why I work hard at trying to do it. And if I don't remember someone's name, I'm getting better at going, I have a thousand names in my head. What's yours? Because I'm, I'm right now. I'm trying to grasp what your name is, and I apologize, but it's driving me crazy. And then I, you know, and then I like thank you. Say it again. And that the second, whenever that happens, if you go through the emotionally awkward thing of remembering somebody's name or making the effort to do so, then it it seeds their name in you a little better than if you just went. <sighs> you you almost have an avoidance behavior to learning their name after that. You're like you almost get mad at having to. You know, it's a weird thing. Like who is oh, that? Look, every time we come in here, this guy in the store says hi, and I don't know his name, and he never said it. And God damn, you know what? I don't, I don't want to know his name at this point. Screw you. <laughs> you know, there's like this psychological impact that comes from it. And if you can be aware of that, you can shed it a lot easier, I think. Mortal words of, of uh, Dirty Harry, man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> and uh, it's helped me a lot. It's it's hard. I, there was a bit I would do on stage where it's, 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 I'd ask someone's name, and then people love it when you can call their names back later and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I'd have to like, I'd in the, I'd repeat it back to them maybe twice just to get it back, get into my head. And anytime yeah. it was like a weird name, and by weird I mean just one that I wasn't familiar with, I'm just like, oh crap, because yeah, yeah oh. those are even harder to remember. See, those are the opposite. Those are way easier for me because I don't look at their face and think, I, you know, am I. Of course, it's Paramahansa Yogananda. Like, why can I not, you know, I'm not going to look at any other person in this place and think, uh, is that the Paramahansa Yogananda or a Paramahansa Yogananda? You know, so there's that helps actually tremendously. If it's if it's Pete and I'm like, Christ, there's nine Pete's in here. There have to be. Did did you say Pete or is that the last show? That's worse when it's a more common name. At least you can tack them with that. There you go. The two sides mm-hmm. of the same coin, Jeff and Hal. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> Great. There's always that option. Um, turn, you know, what, you know, it's that turn your weakness into a strength aspect that 
is easily salvageable in those situations. You're like, okay, in many ways, I get good at stuff when I make it more of a problem than it is. It's one of the tricks I use. I paint myself into a corner where it sucks to not be able to do that thing. Because the worst thing I can do is be actually fairly good at something right out of the gate. Because that'll make me lazy as shit. I I have to make something like really challenging or I won't do it. Like writing stand-up, I do an hour at Flappers every month, no prep, zero material. I have to or I won't sit down and come up with new stuff. It's too, I'll take that show, I'll improv a whole hour. Out of that hour, I'll walk away with 45 minutes of solid material each show, once a month. And if I sat down and tried to do a session of writing every other day, like it was, you know, like I was a novel writer, it just wouldn't work. Did you start as a, an improv comic? You were you trained at Second City, yes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, well, those were different. Improv, I kept those separate for a very long time because I'm a, I'm, you know, I come from the Carlin school that people deserve to see a written show and I can't gamble on whether or not the show is going to be good or not. That was the rule for a very long time for me. But after a while, I had to, it became so easy and my shows became so safe because I could write a, I mean, I have three hours of material for every hour I'm on stage and I know this. And the only variance in the show would be which pieces I'm pulling because I would go from the audience. I wouldn't, if I was trapped and our piece wasn't working for this crowd, instead of pulling a piece out and saying, oh, this doesn't work, I would just go, it just doesn't work here. And then I would grab another piece and I go, maybe this will work. And then I'll get them back on track with this. So I do a little bit of like box editing. I'm not free balling it in front of a live audience for them, you know, with no crafted stuff in this hour. It's incredibly, sorry, I have to mute my, I I get little notifications when people subscribe to my channels and stuff. So you might hear a little music or a blurb or a a jingle uh, because I am totally automated, uh, you know, in all this stuff, Um, which reminds me I have to shut that off for later because I am shooting um, sketches for the sexy, the next sexy liberal show right after we finish this. So uh, that's, and that's in and of itself become its own monster. The sexy liberal show? Yeah, it's a, you know, we did it live leading up into 2015, 16. The Sexy Liberal Comedy Tour was the big, the highest grossing tour in the country. It was me, John Fugel sang, Stephanie Miller, and then a rotating cast of other folks that would join us, like Frangela or uh, Aisha Tyler. Margaret Cho replaced me on one show I couldn't do because I was filming. There were, you know, sold out the Chicago Theater, like big, big uh, venues. It was great. Then I was last year, I was like, guys, it's the last year of the Trump presidency. We really got to get back on the horse and do something about this. We can't leave any weapons on the field. And so we did. And we started booking these things to get back to that point. And uh, lo and behold, COVID hit. And so I presented everybody, why don't we do a virtual version? And then, you know, initially it was like, do we do, you know, just stand up? You know, and everybody shoots their own piece at home and we slice together into a live stand up show. But I felt, you know, my stand up is so spectacular that um, watching it against a green screen isn't quite as good as being in person. So I started turning it into a more of a sketch show, which means a lot more shooting and a lot more editing and a lot more production on a what is largely a, a topical comedy set. You know, I can shoot a little bit ahead of time, but the news cycle that used to be three days to a week is now 
12 hours, if not six, you can come up with a bit and it's dead by the evening because, <laughs> because everybody's moved on. And if you're shooting stuff and getting in character and filming things like we're doing a Supreme Court sketch. Let me see if I can. I'll move my camera around. See that over my right shoulder. That's a it's my that'll be my Supreme Court gown after we finish today as I'm playing Brett Kavanaugh in a sketch. So, nice. yeah. So there is a there's work to be done even in this circumstance. And I think comedy becomes even more the more severe and scary things are, the more valuable comedy is because literally, you know, comedy and music are your best bets at lifting spirits. And comedy is always that there is no sorrow comedy. There are sad songs. And so with, when it comes to getting through something, I'm just saying, saying that had I been a member of the Donner party, um, (laughs) We would have avoided carrying whatever the, no, I think it was the Alaskans that carried the desk for a hundred miles or something. Um, we, you know, we would have laughed a little better and gone back to the original path. Like, guys, I know, I know you're convinced this is the way, but the path is back that way. And I know Gary, we're all following Gary again. Knock it off. Uh, let me tell you something about Gary. I know we all shit away from camp, except Gary. And now Gary, who doesn't shit away from camp, wants us... <laughs> To go on this path. I'm just, let's all take a moment, shall we? Okay, back that way. And I'm beginning to think that the lead line cans are a bad idea, but that's just me. Come on. And there's an element where that's incredibly valuable right now. So you can't, as a comic, give up in these moments. You got to find a way to perform and get it out there. That's great. So you you clearly like to meld the the improv with the comedy. I mean, it's this, sure. for you to want to do the sketches, that's definitely, definitely cool. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah, the sketch part is the greatest way to do it because you can have some written bits and then you can kind of funnel them together and keep it live. And like I said, being able to improv is incredibly meaningful when the news cycle is so flash fast. And I don't expect it, even after Trump leaves, to change that much. That, you know, we are in a media world right now and everybody is jockeying for the number one story. And as that happens more and more between social media and traditional media, they're going to be punching each other in the face, trying to make you follow the next white Bronco or apartment building fire. And that because that's the job. That's what sells toilet paper. Also, the the fight for truth. What is what is truth and facts even mean anymore? Sure. Although I think that will fade to some degree. I think the lashing onto artificial like the fake news idea will go it will genuinely be a fad. It was a fad under Nixon. It will. It's louder now, but it'll go um, because it doesn't work as well. You know what I mean? It doesn't sell as much. It doesn't. The, the people are are now getting hip in the way that people haven't you know shifted to being hip since cable reached the heartland. There's a there's a definite when you got Doctor Who fans in Wichita, Kansas. There, you know, and there's enough of them that they can have their own mini convention. There's a shift in media that occurred. You know what I mean? And as that shift continues and as life gets, quite frankly, easier mechanically, meaning better phones, better computers, better contact, better shopping experiences, more robotics, more, you know, all that stuff, which is coming over the next 10, 15 years, as that increases entertainment and diversion becomes more important, not less. And so you're going to see a, you know, a growth in that, like the hips, the the hip to everything pop culture movement will be worldwide. 
Looking forward to it. Looking forward to the yeah. shift. Looking forward to January 2021. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least the last two weeks, you know, whatever, the last week right, and a half. Because right, right. um, it's going to be nutty. Um, I mean, he's he's tantruming as we speak right now. I know. And you think Geraldo, if we're dating this right now, but like with Geraldo coming in to try and save all of us and make the world calm. Have you seen Geraldo's feed? No, I have not. Uh, I talked to my good friend Donald and he's a realist. He just wants to see what's going to happen. Yeah, that's absolutely how that conversation went. You know, they all leave the room and you just hear smashing dishes and expletives and fart noises. And everybody's like, he's fine. He just needs a moment. (laughs) Like that's, that's effectively what Geraldo's doing. He's playing like 50s housewife where dad is having flashbacks from the war and thinks the kids are Japs, you know, and like he's like, it's, a, you know, there's no bullets in the room. He has the rifle, but there's I don't think they're that was the last bullet. There was one in the chamber. It's fine. Let's all finish our meatloaf like that's That's what Geraldo has turned into is this kind of Tim Burton housewife. <laughs> Geraldo. Yeah, he never recovered from Al Capone's vault. <laughs> no, he did not. No, nope. never recovered. I, no. you know, when, you know, he's one of those guys. Where, and I've had interactions with him over the years, and not the least of which were just the brutal beating he got in media about that whole thing. And the ongoing, like, what did he do? Go look in Trump's head and and find nothing just like Al Capone's vault. Like, those kind of jokes are so ubiquitous. You don't even have to be. When your when your screw ups are classics, that they become referential for other screw ups, and that hipsters and millennials and people like that know it, even though it happened before they were born. That's that's in, that's incredible. Think about carrying that around in your life. Think about yeah, but Al Capone's vault. Everywhere you go, you walk into that restaurant where they know your name, like that's the dude who. He opened Al Capone's vault. Big, it's like a five day thing, and they teased it forever. And there was, it was literally empty. It was so <laughs> empty that it was like joke empty, and it was empty on camera. It was, yeah, no, 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 table for two. Wonderful. Okay, we'll get to you in a second. Jesus Christ, I wonder if we can find a table. <laughs> don't bring, don't bring him a covered dish when he opens it. It'll be empty. There'll be no soup in the bowl. I don't know how this asshole manages. <laughs> Keeps the guy at the grocery next door keeps telling me he walks up with an empty cart every day and tries to pay for it. You know what I mean? Like that's live with that forever. I mean, I've had some screw ups in my life, you know, and I've had some bad interviews and all that kind of stuff. But on the level that everybody has to deal with it, especially as you learn your way through, and you can see how people like, ah, okay, I know this is going to be one of those. You can see the look in their face when people have had the a, a couple of those on the board. Yeah. So funny. So funny. Yeah. Oh, man. We could probably go through the whole administration. I'd love to hear routines on each one of them. but um, No doubt. No. <laughs> Although, I mean, the post-election strategy of, like, the Peter Navarros of the world are going to be, you know, I mean, I understand, like, Wilbur Ross will obviously rejoin his mole rat tribe and, and recede into the earth and, you know, rise to to be the leader of the Morlocks eventually. <laughs> but like Steve Mnuchin and those guys, like they're, you get an IG in there after Biden gets in there, just reestablishes, you know, the inspector generals and all these things. And they start doing an audit. That's some scary shit for those guys. 
Mnuchin isn't going back to Goldman Sachs anytime soon. They're not going to have a potential felon in, in, back in the fold. And then his ultimately, what's your claim to fame? I pilfered $500 billion from the Treasury, and they caught me. But at least my wife and I got to fuck on top of a pile of cash and gold at Fort Knox. Jesus. Right. Oh, you mean like in Wolf of Wall Street? Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, it's man. like Wolf of Wall Street if the lead character was the least charismatic person you'd ever met in your life. If, if Bill Gates was the star of Wolf of Wall Street, just like, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not quite, uh, mm, uh, like, just horrible. Oh, man. That <laughs> is too funny. Too funny. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I actually think it's just funny enough. I don't want to harm anyone. So, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you see the new Borat oh indeed I did Um, and I saw the stills that came out from it and all the stuff that was warning everybody that it was coming the thing I was you know when I watched it live I was immediately aware of the fact that Prism or whoever the main production company is on it and, and ultimately Netflix for carrying it have HR departments and their HR departments are not going to allow in a movie um, an actor or actress to be harmed in the filming simply to get a stunt, no matter what. So the line they were walking is, how far do we go with this actress in this room with Rudy Giuliani before we call it off? It's not like, you know, if this was shot in the 80s or 70s. They'd be, uh, you know, witness relocationing his junk as he ran around the room chasing her for a good five minutes, you know, before everybody barged in and said, you're on candid camera, you know. But in this case, you got to stop it before this dude shows his dick to this woman who didn't sign up for this nonsense. And so you can tell they're like, uh-oh, 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 he's actually doing stuff. We thought he'd make a pass or say some shit. Dude is just going to take his dick out. And so he had to run in and interrupt it, I think, earlier than than they would have wanted as far as what they could have shown Rudy Giuliani was going to do. And the most telling thing in all of it was the weird ass pat he gives her just above her hip, where he's like clearly testing the waters as she's working his mic in the hotel room. He's like reaching up to like maybe... Next pat goes to that, that, that. And and you can just read it as this like Brett Kavanaugh high school, like maybe I can test the waters kind of gross. It's just nasty. And, you know, I've watched all of Trump's rallies during my, you know, live stream that I do. And I started after he stopped doing them. I was like, all right, I want to show something that shows their team and what they're doing since he's been on radio silence. So I've been doing some of the Rudy Giuliani Vlad, you know, his vodcast that he does. And not only is it ignorant nonsense, but there's always a weird creep factor to it. And someone is, he's always doing it in hotel rooms. And there's always someone walking around in the background, just kind of loitering off screen. And you're like, is, dude, pay her so she can go home. (laughs) You didn't pay her to sit through this. There are no hookers that do that kind of SM behavior. Rudy, Rudy's like one of those. I, I, I'd always read he wasn't very liked, but 9-11 made him a hero. He was America's mayor for quite some time. And then 
man, he's just a piece of work now. He's just ugh. the bad Kate McKinnon on Saturday Night Live does the best. <laughs> Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. Oh my God. It's yeah, it's fantastic. But I mean, she basically like her whole like blah, 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 blah kind of, you know, she, there's, there's points to like, he's not super distinct, oddly enough, unless you just look like him in his impersonation. It's just, you know, there's no extraordinary aspect of his voice. He sounds like dozens of New Yorkers ultimately, and, you know, older New Yorkers, especially. And so when you, when you impersonate somebody like that, you have to go to personality traits and exaggerate them to kind of get across like what bothers you about them. Not just like, whoa, nailed the voice. And in some ways, like I do, I do like Jesse the Body Ventura sometimes whenever I joke about independence because his voice is so, as I was the governor of Minnesota at some time, I ain't got time to bleed. That kind of whole thing. Like he's not that hard to do. You don't even have to be in that much costuming to get the point across. But Rudy, you have to. And at some point, I half expected her to just like lower from the ceiling upside down and just do the monologue as a vampire, which you'd have to do with green screen because I've hung upside down for a production for a half an hour uh, to shoot something. It's awful. You'll have headaches for days. Anything but, for the art, Hal. Yeah, man. Oh, my God. Like I, we did a scene where I was in a harness for six hours on Lab Rats and because of I was supposed to be in anti-gravity it was supposed to take place in space what we were doing so I was in a spacesuit sealed in with a helmet with a rigging on me hanging me and I had to make my body move in a way that looked like I was floating so you have to it's a tremendous amount of muscle work to be able to like move your body like so people can't see where the rig points are and in this case, we only had a waist rig point. So I had two pins on my upper back and lower back. So to make it look like you can move your back, you have to flex and move so much against the rigging and then back again, and then lift your legs the whole time to keep them floating above your waist point, which is, I mean, do, do some ab work, lay down, lift your legs, uh, you know, just lay flat, lift your legs for two minutes and then two more minutes, and then two more minutes, and then six minutes, and then an hour. And that's what it's like to do an anti-gravity rig in a movie or a film like Gravity or any of those things. It's brutal. Sounds miserable. I, Sounds Yeah, but, <laughs> but the, you know, if you want it to look right and not go, oh, I can see where the wire is. That's the part that is a drag more than anything else, is the history of 10 years from now looking at something going, I can see where they were pinned up because they're not moving beyond that point. So six hours of just like body flexing the whole thing. It was like, it was the weirdest, you know, I mean, literally I had ab cramps, which I've never had in my life for days afterwards. So anyway, so Kate McKinnon, if she ever wants to do them as a vampire, they should do it as a, there you go. They should, yeah, just do it as a green screen and flip her upside down. I'll send, I'll send her a copy of the, of the podcast. Yeah, it's wise. It's wise. She knows. <laughs> we, we, they, they take my advice. Everyone does. It's, cool. Yeah. It's an amazing thing, I have to say. I started my stream, and I won't out them because, uh, the, you know, people have said this on sort of the DL. And some of them are, you know, because they try to stay away from politics is largely what it is, like, because that's their bread and butter. They don't want to cross too many bridges. Some people are overt, and they're awesome. And I have interactions with them a lot, like Richard Marks and Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister and, you know, uh, Billy Baldwin and, you know, that crowd. Just awesome people. 
but they're overt in their political stuff. And then there's some people that go, I can't step out there. My bread and butter is on the other side. I'll vote my way and I'll talk to my friends and family this way. But and I'll and I'll certainly speak to inspiring causes that make it obvious what side of the political spectrum I on I'm on, you know, gay rights, women's rights, you know, minority rights, that kind of stuff, veterans, whatever. It'll let people know which side of the team I'm on and uh, you know which side of the field I'm on. But during my stream that I've been doing, I get these weird like A-list winks and nods of people like I watch your stream a bunch and I would lose my mind if you weren't doing that. And I was like, "What?" You you guys, you guys watch me do my weird little stream on Twitch and, and YouTube? Like, yeah, man. You know, like it's I mean, I, I mean awesome. I have some that's awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I've gotten stuff from, you know, any any celeb with kids while I was on Lab Rats was, you know, sending a ton of messages like my kids love lab rats. It's so weird. It's on all the time. I hear your voice in the house nonstop. And I'm like, you're welcome. it's nice to babysit for, you know, Brad and Angelina occasionally, but then to make it be the live thing that I do, that's actually me is a wholly different thing, you know? So that's awesome. Yeah. I've caught, I've caught a bunch I've Hey, I know I'm not one of the people you're talking about, but I've caught a bunch of them also. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's impressive. I started watching one yesterday and, uh, you know, just, you know, it was catching up and three, it was like three hours. I'm like, Oh my God. It's like, you're, yeah. it's impressive that you can just go that long. I mean, well, the, the thing I have is an anger will sustain you. The thing that's important to me is do not let these lies go unanswered. And the, the tool of the other side, oftentimes, especially when it comes to media is the gish gallop dump 50 lies on the field and then when it's your turn to respond, you can really only handle the egregious last one. And so the assumption by the audience is that since you're like, what? Okay, first of all, you didn't create, you didn't pass VA choice. And so they're like, okay, he jumped on that one. The rest of them must be true because he never addressed them. That's what a gish gallop does in a debate. It limits because you've got limited time to respond. It limits your ability to call out the other lies without just going, okay, Everything you said was bullshit. Let's start with the beginning. And it's really hard to do in a debate. Most news com- you know, organizations don't have time for that, even though they're on 24 hours a day. Um, so I, it was really crucial when, the, when he started doing these rallies of like, you know what? We're all home. I'm going to go through these whole rallies. Every, nobody wants to look at them. They're not playing them on, you know, the other, you know, non-Fox networks. And Fox is just kind of putting them on autopilot. And I'm like, no, if you're going to put these things up, I get to call out the bullshit. Well, by the time I, you know, an hour rally and I'm stopping every two sentences to go bullshit. Here's why. Here's the facts. This is the reality. Here's a joke. Look at his face. Why is he doing that? You know, um, who's that person over his right shoulder and why are they enraptured by this nonsense? Oh, they're paid to be there. Next two sentences doing the same thing. It ends up being three hours. It ends up being, you know, a show in and of itself. It's extraordinary. It's, it is amazing. But it, it's also amazing when you watch just the news networks. Like, I mean, you expect it from like MSNBC and CNN, but even Fox is starting to turn away they have to. from it. They have to. They have to because they're, they have a responsibility to rebuild the Republican brand. They have to. If the Republican Party has any chance of winning a next election or something like that, it absolutely has to be 
them that brings them back to life. You know, Tucker and Hannity are in charge of the soft landing. They're going to let this burning dumpster with wings, you know, they're going to be the air, you know, the air traffic control, you know, people in the tower bringing it in so that it doesn't absolutely ruin the whole airport. And the rest of Fox has already moved on. And that's, they know this. They've strategized about this. They're not stupid. This is, these are billion dollar companies, unlike Trump's. <laughs> and so they have a, they have a bottom line to protect. I'm always fascinated when people start to look at the check that they're getting, start to go down and how it affects their behavior. Well, this has been so great, Hal. I really appreciate you, uh, hanging with me. I know you got to go do some other shows and all that kind of good stuff. Maybe we can have you back and we can get into some more of the other cool stuff, the the thousand other things you didn't even get into and talk about. Yeah, there will never be enough tape in the world and there will never be enough hard drive space for the stories. (laughs) Well, we can give it another shot. Where can people follow you on Twitch and YouTube and all that? At Hal Sparks on Twitter. And of course, that will branch you out to every other place, you know, as far as the links or whatever. HalSparks.live is where you can go watch the stream or twitch.tv slash HalSparks. It's basically the same thing. It's just easy to get there. I'm out of YouTube hell, so you can go to infotainmentwars.com. That will bring you to my, my website as well, or to my YouTube page where the stream is. I'm firing on all cylinders. I stream across four platforms every day these days while still shooting another show. I'm shooting it. I don't I think it usually comes out in December. We shoot a little bit ahead of time, but with a couple of the writers from Kimmel's show and some other production folks, we do a an award show called the Fiducies every year. And it's awards for the biggest like con men, bailout queens, kleptocrats, and financial psychopaths of the year. People who steal billions of dollars from retirement funds and stuff like that. We give them an award every year called it's the fiducies. It's a spray painted golden silicon ass. Love um, it. Love it. Yeah. That, uh, that they, that they get on a plaque, financial criminals, people in the administration. I have no doubt, uh, Steve Mnuchin is in the running, but a week from Sunday, we film that. And then we release it. Stormy Daniels and I did it last year. You can guess who got one of the awards. It's a thing we're kind of growing over time to kind of make people aware of the behind the scenes, like corporate and banking fraud. I mean, Deutsche Bank alone, their entire upper echelon of people should get one uh, thrown in their face like a pie, you know? So yeah, incredible. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Absolutely, brother. Glad to do it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Hal Sparks. How cool was that? Hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. So thanks again to Hal Sparks for joining me. Thanks also to my buddy, Ricky Glore, for the celebrity voices in this episode and last week's episode. Thank you, buddy. I think you added a little bit of fun to the Jeff Tawaskin show, and I look forward to doing more in the future. Also want to thank the Humbly app. Yeah, the Humbly app. I mentioned it in past episodes. I'm in the recommended section, so they're pretty cool. So definitely check out that app. It donates money every time you listen to a podcast episode. So that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, absolutely it is. All right. Why don't we get on now to what you've all been waiting for, the hashtag roundup hashtag of the week. You know what it's all about. I read off a hashtag. You can play along at hashtag roundup. Download the hashtag roundup app. And one of your tweets might show up in a future episode of the Jeff Dewaskin Show. How cool is that? So the hashtag we're going to do today is hashtag stupid questions for aliens. This, of course, 
In honor of our guest, Hal Sparks. Zoltan. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Stupid questions for aliens. This is part of the weekly game on hashtag roundup open mic rejects every tuesday on hashtag roundup and as always these tweeters are going to be retweeted at jeff jawaskin show they'll also be in the show notes so find them retweet them show them some love don't forget get the hashtag roundup app play some hashtags and you can end up on a future episode of the Jeff Duoskin Show. Zoltan. All right, let's do this. Hashtag stupid questions for aliens. So your ship, is it manual or automatic? <laughs> that is a stupid question. Hey, alien, when are you bringing Elvis back? I said, maybe that's a good question. Oh, this one's important. Hey, alien, Laurel or Yanny? And when they solve that one, we can get them to focus on the dress as well, that dress. Hey, alien, how many aliens does it take to change a light bulb? That'd be a stupid question to ask an alien. You'd probably get vaporized for that one. Hey, alien, are you here to destroy Earth to make way for a hyperspace bypass? <laughs> Grab your towels, people. Oh, hey, alien. So you called off the invasion when you found out about pineapple pizza? I mean, can you blame them? Can you blame them? Pineapple pizza. Oi. Hey, alien, if we built a wall between you and us, will you pay for it? Because we got some guys saying you're going to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, these are some hashtag stupid questions for aliens, I'll tell you that. Hey, alien, did it hurt, wink, wink, when you fell from heaven? Well, that's more of a pickup line, but we're going to let it go. Hey, alien, do you believe in humans? <laughs> They're all sitting on their planet. Do you believe in humans? Humans do not exist. And finally, stupid question for aliens. Hey, alien, have you ever fought over toilet paper? <laughs> Probably not, because they're intelligent. Oh, man. All right. That was hashtag stupid questions for aliens. Zoltan. I appreciate you all stopping by this week. This has been episode 29 of the Jeff Duoskin Show. Don't forget to check out the show notes or add, go to at Jeff Duoskin Show on Twitter. Retweet all the funny tweets. Play the hashtag roundup. Go to Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, anywhere podcasts can be found. Subscribe to the Jeff Duoskin Show. Tell all your friends about the Jeff Tawaskin show. Go to jeffisfunny.com. Sign up for my mailing list. I got some cool emails ready to send out. And that's it. That's it. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Jeff Dwoskin Show with your host, Jeff Dwoskin. Now go repeat everything you heard and sound like a genius. Catch us online at thejeffdwoskinshow.com or follow us on Twitter at Jeff Dwoskin Show. And we'll see you next time.